without any further delay, won't you help me give a great New Harvest welcome to Pastor Ken and Trudy Blunt. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're very kind. He's so nice. Smiling at me. Turn around and smile at somebody else and say, it's going to be good today. <laughs> uh, you know, Pastor Richard, you guys may be seated. Uh, talked about we've been around since, uh, went back to the 70s. And uh, yeah, we even go back further than that. Trudy and I got married when uh, I was 19 and she was 17. Uh, now, I didn't say we got married in 1917, but we've been, we did get married in 1970, and we've been married a while, been around a while. Wow, it, it's amazing. I've been here a lot, many times. How many of you have seen me before? Yeah. How many of you have not? You raise your hand. All right. You're in for a treat today. I'm good looking, aren't I? Yeah, I was just thinking, I was just thinking how, how much... God loves people. I know that sounds trite or, you know, but it's so true. And I think even sometimes when we come to church, because we've been out in the world, stuff kind of coming against all of us because we're dealing with life, right? And the world's a crazy place to live in right now. You can even come to church and, and even feel worse because you, you know that you didn't always do everything just right. But let me tell you something. Can I tell you something this morning? This happened to me when I was the most messed up in my life. I was 19 years old. Trudy and I have just gotten married, and she got saved and met Jesus. But here's my thinking. I thought, and her life was radically changed. I mean, it was, she was amazing. And I saw that. But here's my thing. I saw that, and I thought, well, I could never be like that because, you know, God just likes her more because she's a better person than me, and she really is. And, and I thought, and I always, and I thought God was about half ticked off at me, and he couldn't like me, you know? But I, I want you to know that's not true. That's not why Jesus came. He didn't come to make you feel bad. He didn't come to put you in this religious box. He came to set you free to be what you're called to be. And one of the things I think we need in the church, and I prophesy this is coming in the days ahead, I believe there's going to be a spirit of rejoicing come and a, a spirit of, I don't know, just having fun. And one, one of the reasons we love to come to this church, you don't get to see all this, but we hang out with Pastor Richard and Nancy, and there's so much fun to be around because he's always got a real cool car, and they, they put us in a nice place, and then they feed us food at the best restaurants in L.A., and they're so kind. And so we look forward to coming here. It's not a burden. It's fun, right? And I, and I just want to know, that's what God wants for your life. I remember we went to Israel one time, and they were having the celebration of, uh, what was it, babe? Oh, celebration of the victory in the Six-Day War of 1967 when the Jews came back in and took Jerusalem. For the first time in 2,000 years, they got a Jerusalem back. And so uh, they were celebrating that day. And this hotel we were staying in, they were having some kind of big celebration about that. And uh, I just remember how that these people, they, they were in a room, and they were somebody was speaking, but they were singing and jumping up and down, and they were so loud. They were out by our pool that night. We couldn't go to sleep. They were so loud. And I thought, that's what God wants the church to be. He wants us to be having fun. 
Yeah, I, I know the world's crazy and it's getting worse, and so who cares? Jesus is coming back to fix it. And we're supposed to be here right now to, it's, it should be an enjoyable thing. We've got the gospel to take to people, to set them free, right? You should put a smile on your face this morning. You say, Pastor Ken, I'm dealing with stuff. We're all dealing with stuff. You'll deal with more stuff tomorrow. You got to learn to cast your stuff on the Lord. You got to learn to lighten up. Man, y'all are clapping good. Is it because I'm preaching really good right now? Uh, let, let's just thank the Lord right now. Not religiously. Just, no, lift your hands up. Lord, we love you. We praise you right now. Lord, thank you for helping us in this service today. I pray that I would put any heavy burden on people today. I pray that when people walk out this door today, they're going to feel better about themselves. They're going to be ready to go attack the world with joy. The peace of God's going to, when they walk into Walmart, people are going to see Jesus on them like never before. Lord, may we take the goodness of God into the world. Amen. Do you, do you agree with that? Amen. That's not even in my notes. That was free. No charge. <laughs> I do have some good stuff to preach. Uh, let me tell you about a couple of things. We, we, don't, we didn't bring a lot of product. I did bring a couple of things. We've got a lot of our music CDs and DVDs back there on the table. And, uh, you know, these, are, these don't sell as well as they used to because nobody has DVD player much anymore. My CD player, you know, cars don't even... We got one of the last cars that put a CD player on in our 2018. And uh, so, I don't know, but if, you, if you're old school, you can pick up our music. We have a lot of kids' music that we've done to encourage kids to worship the Lord. That's a big part of my kids' ministry. And my son and I, Josh, who is a pastor in Oklahoma City, he and I have written songs, done projects, and they'll be a blessing to you. Uh, in fact, I'm going to give this as a DVD for, uh, it's called Love Out Loud of Kids Music. If you've got little kids under the age of six, raise your hand. I'm going to give this to somebody. Um, there's a guy about, oh, three quarters of the way back with glasses on. You want to come get this, sir? Okay. There you go. There you go. Okay, you bet. Bless you. And then we've also got, uh, it's like, you know, school's starting pretty soon, right? It started in Oklahoma City already. And so my daughter-in-law came up with this idea. She used to do this when her kids were little. She came up with some lesson plans to teach them a little short Bible lesson so that she could uh, do it whenever they're eating breakfast in the morning or whenever she's driving them to school in the car. And so she, uh, she made a, a card set of these. It's called Discipleship to Go. And it's a lesson per week, one per week for the whole school year that you can teach your kids about Jesus, about principles of faith. Because as parents, we're supposed to be talking to our kids about God. Did you know that? When they're little. When they're little that's your job. And so I think a lot of parents know that, but just, they just don't know how. So this is a great tool that will help you do that, discipleship on the go. And uh, I, I don't know, I just wanted, I, I want us to go into this message I want us to be built up, okay? So I'm going to show one of our kids' videos. Um, and this is a song called uh, Thinking of You that my son wrote. And it's all based on Psalm 139 about how special you are to God. And I know you're grown, aren't most of you, right? I'm not a kid's church. But this song will bless you. So as we play this video, let this just get on you, okay? Let this just get, bless you because Jesus loves you so much more than you could ever imagine. The plan he has for you was, was designed in heaven. 
He believes in you. Hallelujah. So let this minister to you, and then I'll come back and preach, okay? Go ahead, guys. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, the Lord told me right now he's touching somebody in this room that you have arthritis, particularly in your shoulder. Who is that? Raise your hand up. It's bothering you right there. Right there. God's touching you right now. He's touching you right now. Uh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit. If you have any kind of physical need in your body, just lift your faith up and say, Lord, I receive that right now. 
whatever it be. If you have any, somebody here has some heart issues, and God told me he wants to touch you this morning. Where is that? Raise your hand up. You're dealing with some heart issue situations. I don't know what that means. It's general, I know, but uh, is that you, my brother? Just lift your hand up and receive right now. Lord, thank you for touching him by your spirit right now, by the Holy Ghost. Healing flows. Hallelujah. God's so good. God's with us this morning, right? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Trudy reminded me of um, this, too. I forgot to say it. You can, uh, if you... If you'd like some of our music or any of our product, we've got a lot of teaching that we've done over the years on KenBluntMinistries.com. Just Google my name, Ken Blunt, B-L-O-U-N-T, and you'll find it real easy to find. And we got a lot of free stuff that'll help you uh, because we've been around a long time and got a lot of stuff. So <laughs> this morning, I want to talk to you. Here's my subject. You ready? You ready to hear the word today? Here's my subject. We want to talk about the power of the seed. The power of the seed. You know, the flood of Noah was like a reboot of humanity. Remember Noah and how the world was flooded and all the people were wiped out except Noah's family. And it's like God began again. And so there's a declaration that he makes after the flood of Noah that I think speaks to us. This is in Genesis 8.22, if you want to turn there in your Bible. Genesis 8.22. And uh, God's laying out some new things or some, some foundational things for the way the earth's going to move ahead, okay? So he says this, While the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Now these are things we can count on, right? Now there's coming a day there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus is coming back and he's going to renovate everything. And the earth will be burned with fire, and then he'll like start all over again, and it will be wonderful and paradise, and that's really happening. And I've already put my claim in. I want to live in Southern California, okay? I want to rule out here somewhere, just so you know, okay, because I like it out here. But, but the, it's just like this. It's just like last night the sun went down. We could be very sure because of the Bible, just because this is the way it works. It's going to come up this morning, right? It's really hot in Oklahoma right now. August is terrible. I'm so glad I'm here today. It's 100 degrees today, and that's pretty common. But in, the, in December, it's going to be cold, I promise you. This won't last forever. These are principles we can count on, right? And, uh, and the same thing is with this one that we're talking about this morning. There will be seed time and harvest. Now, we look at that, and that's like two words in the Bible, seed time and harvest, but it's really three. There's three things involved here. There's seed and there is time, and then there is harvest. Everything with God is not a miracle. Have you noticed that? Now, God does miracles. He does. We've experienced that in our life from time to time. Trudy miraculously was healed. She had a crossed eye growing up from a fall she took when she was a little baby, three years old, running out to meet her daddy, and she tripped and fell and hit her chin on the concrete. And it triggered a birth defect and caused her eyes to cross. So as she grew up, she dealt with it. She had surgery, cosmetic surgery. They'd go in and try to fix the eye, and, and they thought maybe they'd clip the muscle and pull it back, but it would always go back. So it's incurable, and they discovered later that her brain, some kind of defect in her brain that was telling that eye to cross. So you can't fix it. 
right? No, it's not humanly possible. So she grew up with that. But she met Jesus when she was 17 years old. And this is before I got saved. Remember, I talked about that a little bit. One night she went to a little home prayer meeting, and they're praying about things. These are people that were believing God, excited about their faith, just gotten saved, just gotten filled with the Holy Spirit. And somebody says, Trudy, do you believe Jesus could heal your eyes tonight? And she said, yes, I do. So they said, we'll, we'll pray for you. Now, they, these are people who didn't know a lot about the Bible. You know, there's no pastor. So somebody says, I found a scripture that says you can anoint people with oil and pray for them. And somebody else says, well, what kind of oil do you use? And they said, I don't know. I got some Crisco in the kitchen. So they got the Crisco, and they put a little bit on her head, and they prayed for her. They went on, did some other things, prayed. She said about an hour later, I wasn't there, but about an hour later, it's kind of late at night, she's walking by a mirror, and her eyes are bothering her. She's got her glasses on. So she went and looked in this mirror, took her glasses off, and she said her eyes in an hour had straightened out perfectly. Yeah. She put her glasses on. She couldn't see. She took them off. She could see. Her vision went 20-20 in, in an hour. That's a miracle. That's good, right? How many like miracles? But miracles don't always happen all the time. The Bible doesn't say, you're going to walk by miracles. No. That's why some people get, they get off whenever they pray, and it doesn't happen right away, so they think, well, God didn't want me to have it. No, no, no. You've got to understand, there's a process that you've got to walk through most of the time. And it's described here with seed, time, and harvest. So there's a planting of the seed, and then there's a time period that the seed has to sprout and germinate and then spring up through the earth and grow, and then there comes a time when the harvest happens. Harvest is great, ain't it? How many like harvest? <laughs> but we sometimes there's a waiting period uh, with harvest. So seed, time, and harvest. Jesus preached about this principle that we're talking about this morning in the book of Mark chapter 4. In Matthew 13, he told the story again, and then in Luke chapter 8. But Jesus uses a parable to teach about this principle. And parables were made-up stories. Jesus made up stories to illustrate the principle that he was teaching, and he used things that were common for the day that people would understand so they can understand how the Word of God worked, right? So Jesus preaches about the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4, and he talks about how a sower goes out to sow seed, and then it talks about he scattered this seed on four different kinds of soil. And we'll talk about what that soil is later. But there's three protagonists in this story. Three protagonists. They are the seed, the sower, and the soil. Right? Everybody say seed, sower, and soil. They all begin with an S, so you can remember that, right? Because, uh, that, because I'm such a great preacher. The, the, it, it works, right? Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about, number one, seed. Let's talk about seed for a minute. Seed is powerful in the natural, just a natural seed. Did you know the oldest viable seed that they've discovered that grew into a full plant was a Judean date palm? I looked this up on the Internet, so it's got to be true. <laughs> and they, they found this seed, and I don't know how they figured it out, but it's 2,000 years old. They planted it, and it sprouted after 2,000 years years. Seed is powerful. I've got in my pocket this morning, and the camera guys said they could zero in on this, so I'll hold it up and try to be steady. You can't see this from the back. Probably can't see it very well from the front, but this is an acorn seed. 
And in this acorn, can you see it up there? Is that as close as you guys can get? <laughs> you can't see it. Anyway, take my word for it. It's, it, it. Come see me after church. I'll show it to you. They got it? Oh, yeah. You didn't see it? But inside this acorn is the, is the DNA for this acorn to grow a big, huge tree. In fact, I got a couple of pictures I wanted to show you this morning from uh, uh, my, my son Josh and Sarah. The house they live in, they, they got this house. They redid it a few years ago. It has some huge trees in the yard. Can you guys put that first picture of that tree up? This is a great big oak tree that's in their yard. And, you know, you can see it's pretty big. It's the ground kind of uh, dips down, so it's in a place where it could grow big because it gets a lot of water, a lot of moisture in a low place in the earth. So that's from a ways back. Let's get, give me a tighter shot of that oak tree. Now, you can see, too, that, that, that's the trunk. And that's my two granddaughters that are 10 and uh, 12. They're standing there. And that tree just it spreads out everywhere. Give me the next shot of, the, of them. Okay, that's, that's uh, Bo and Sonny. That's the cutest granddaughters you've ever seen. But that's that tree. So that tree is huge. But that tree came out of this acorn seed. Now God's word is likened unto a seed. In that seed is the DNA to meet every need you'll ever have, to take care of you, to provide for you, to give you wisdom, to give you discernment so that you can live your life out. There's a provision that God laid up for you in heaven for you to live your life and take care of you your entire time on the earth if you'll trust in it. But it comes in seed form. And seed is powerful. The word of God is seed and it's alive to produce life. It is truth. God backs it up. And God wrote these things down. Understand, and God cannot lie. If he lied about it, if he was kidding about it, he wouldn't be God anymore. It shouldn't be in the Bible. But the word of God is true. It's perfect seed. It cannot fail. This seed of the word is the answer to every challenge you're facing today and that you will ever face. And if you'll trust in the seed, if you'll plant the seed, it'll never let you down. It's powerful seed. Look in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 in your Bibles. It says this in the New King James Version. Speaking of Jesus, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That covers everything you're ever going to need in life. Through what? How do you get that? Through the knowledge. What's the knowledge? That's the seed of the word of God. Him who called us to glory and virtue. By which you have been given exceeding great and precious. Listen, listen to how wonderful this, thing, this seed is. It's exceeding great. And it's precious. You know the word of God is a precious thing. It, God's given it to us. Not to be religious with it. But to live a life out. And, and grab a hold of it. And believe it. And claim it. And live our life successfully. Right? No matter the challenges, challenges that will come against you. And they come. I'm 72 years old. There are challenges that will come. I like it when it's smooth, don't you? Things are going real good. But it's never going to not, it, you have some of that, but then there's going to be days. That's why you need to know this. Let me keep reading. Been given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you may become rich and famous. Is that what it says? No? That through these promises you may get everything you want in life. 
Is that what it says? No. Here's what these promises are to do. They're to make you a partaker of the divine nature, which means you become like Jesus through the promises. It's not just about me having exactly what I want, because I may think I want something, but I don't really need that thing, right? Does that make sense? I mean, no, it's not just about you. I, well, I, want, a, I want a brand new Mercedes, and, and that's okay, but it's not just about the stuff you get on earth. It's about you getting your prayers answered so you can become Christ-like and be a representative for him in the earth. That's what the seed's all about. We're supposed to live a life of glorifying God and becoming more like him. So what do you do? You take the seed, you find the seed that you need for your life, for whatever you're dealing with. You gotta know what the Bible says about things like healing. Because sickness will come against you in life. And it's gonna come to all of us. If you're healthy today and you're sitting there and you feel good, God bless you. Isn't that wonderful? Hey man, that's a blessing of God. But then there will be days that you're going to have to deal with attacks from the enemy on your body. And he'll come. Trudy's nearly died twice since we've been Christians. She had a kidney poisoning back in the 80s. She was just young, 35 years old. And the devil came and tried to kill her with this thing. And I remember praying in the hospital all that night. And I'm claiming this seed of God's word. And I'm praying over my wife. And it was hard, man. Because it didn't, you know, there was no praise and worship band playing. I was in there by myself. It was dark. I didn't feel like God was doing anything. But I hung on to the seed by declaring it, by praising God, walking around her hospital bed. And she'd been kind of out of it for hours. And at 5 o'clock in the morning, I hear this little whisper. I dozed off in a chair. And I hear this, Kenny, and I went, it's her. I said, what, baby, what, what, what? She said, I'm hungry. Could you get me some breakfast? <gasps> breakfast, yeah. I ran down to the nurse. I said, we need breakfast. Give me bacon, eggs. Give me toast. She's hungry. She wants to eat. I came back in. We got food, and she's sitting up in bed. That thing broke. That, that thing, and she, people die from that stuff. But, but God was so gracious but you know what? I had a part to play in that. I had to, I had to get a hold of that seed and claim the seed. Amen. What do you need? What does the Bible say about your marriage? You know, you've got to act in love in your marriage. I know challenges happen in your marriage. And, they, and you get on each other's nerves because that's just the way it is. And, and you live close, so there's, there's, you butt heads. But listen, here's what the bottom line. You've got to act in, what does the Bible say about your marriage? It says, wives, submit to your husbands. And they're supposed to, to submit to a husband that loves his wife like Christ loves the church. That means, buddy, you better get, get busy loving. Because Jesus loves the church a lot. <laughs> his, his, all his best interests are in the church, Right? And, and you can overcome marriage uh, situations if you get the proper seed. What does the Bible say about raising kids? You need to get into the Word and dig a little bit. What does the Bible say about your money, how to handle your money? What does the Bible say about when you're tempted, when, when uh, things come against you to tempt you, to pull, away, pull you away from the things of God? You know, Jesus lived by using the seed of God's Word. Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness and he was tempted? And the devil came around and tried to get him off his assignment and what God wanted him to do. And Jesus has been fasting, so now he's hungry. So the devil tempts him with food to get him to, away from the promises of God. Did Jesus get mad and stomp and kick at the devil? Did he cuss at the devil? No, Jesus doesn't cuss. He didn't do that. But what did he do? He quoted the word of God. 
He said, it is written. It is written. He looked him in the eye and said, it is written. And sometimes when temptation is coming against you, you need to look the devil in the eye and say, it is written. Let it come out of your mouth because power comes out of your mouth when you speak the word of God. I'm preaching good here. You like this? See, this seed is powerful, but it does no good until it's planted. It's like this acorn seed I have right here. It's not, going to do, it's not doing anybody any good. It's in my pocket. It's got to get in the dirt, right? And when is it planted? How do you plant it, Pastor Ken? Well, you got to get into the Bible. You got to read it. You got to come to church. You got to hear your pastor and take notes and listen to what they say. Uh, then you begin to dig yourself. Until you dig into the word yourself, you can't get what God wants you to have because that word is for you. He gave you a Bible so you could do this. You got to meditate on it. You got to find the seed to meet the need of your life and then declare it and take hold of it strong and don't let go. So the seed will do it. Number two, let's talk about the sower. We got to have seed. We do have seed, right? The sower is important. Mark 4.26 says this. As Jesus is talking about the sower. He said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. In other words, you don't have to figure out how it's going to happen. You just got to put the seed in the ground. So Jesus said, this is what sowers do. Listen, we are the farmers of the seed. God is not the sower of the seed. That's your job. God won't farm for you. You have to do this. You have a part to play. He's given you authority, and you must take your responsibility to take the seed and put it in the soil. Everybody tracking with me? Let's look in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 5. It's talking about this. Genesis 2, 5, in the very beginning, it said, Neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth at that time, for the Lord God had not sent rain to water the earth, now, there was seed in the ground. God had put it there, but the water hasn't come to, to spring the seed up, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. We are the cultivators of the soil. We're the ones that plant the seed. Uh, let, me, let me give you a little thought here. Think about your life right now, what you're dealing with, what you're doing this morning while we're sitting here. What, is, what are the things that you're dealing with in your life, because you are living today in the seed that you planted yesterday. Now, that's good news, and it's also bad news. As you're thinking about this, some of you need to pray for a crop failure <laughs> because of what you planted. Nothing happens until the sower sows. It's a partnership. Some people wonder, why doesn't God do something for me? God's waiting for you to move much of the time. When we move, God moves. Amen. You know, back in the, when we were young, again, we wanted a baby. We've been married now three or four years, and so we, we, we're, and we're serving God. I'm, I've gotten saved now, and we're living out in Fort Worth, Texas, and we're wanting a baby, but we're not having a baby. So Trudy goes to the doctor, and the doctor says, well, you have a problem. You have endometriosis, and here's the deal. We, in order to get rid of this condition, and it was giving her some trouble too, pain and dealing with some symptoms of it, said, you're going to need to have a hysterectomy. And we went, no, because if you have a hysterectomy, you can't have children. And we want to have children. In fact, we believe that God has spoken to us about having children. So, you know, we're kind of dealing with that. And 
So one day Trudy is just reading the Bible. She's looking in the seed book, right? Sometimes it's good just to read the Bible. I mean, just read the Bible. You know what I do pretty much every day, especially when I'm home? I have a big old bathtub that I get into. I get the water real hot because I love to sit in the bathtub and put salt and stuff in there and, you know, and chill and soak. And that's one of the reasons I look so good today. But anyway, uh, but I get in there and I got a little, and I read the Bible in the bathtub. That's my place to meet God. It's my prayer closet. That's my, that's my secret place to run with God. It's wet, but it's where I meet God, okay? And I've got Bibles that I've read over these years, and they're big old fat Bibles because I've dropped them in the water sometimes. And, but, but that's what I do. I, I, I read the Bible. So she's reading in the Bible one day, just faithfully reading the Bible, and she comes across Psalm 113. And there's a scripture there that says, He maketh the barren woman to be a joyful mother of children. And she read that and went, oh, Wait a minute. This says, if I don't have children, God will make me, he'll make my barrenness go away, and I'll have children. They'll be happy. And she said, these people that are, there were people telling her in the church, well, it may not be God's will for you to have this. And sometimes people, they mean well, but, but here's the will of God. It's in the Word, right? Right? So she said, okay. I thought, these people must not have ever read that. But I'm going to believe this. So she claimed that Scripture, right? She's a farmer. She grabs it. And she sticks it in the ground. And here's how she worked it. She began to believe that every day. Now, nothing changed right away. She just took hold of that scripture. And she said, I'm going to have a baby. She had a sister that lived there in Fort Worth, an older sister. Told her about this. She said, okay, I'm going to agree with you. They prayed, agreed together. And then her sister gave her this little dress, uh, infant dress. And she said, listen, I'm going to give you this dress and I believe one day you're going to bring a baby home in that little aqua dress. It was aqua. It was aqua dress. And so Trudy took that dress, and she began to just take that with her places. I was working nights back then. And she would take that dress and go to bed with it and sleep with it at night beside her. She'd get up in the, in, in the day she, when she was cooking in the kitchen. She'd put the little dress because she was visualizing that that dress was going to have a baby in it someday. And she did this for a few weeks and a few weeks and then a few weeks. And then one day she went back to the doctor. It's a few months. But she went back to the doctor and she was pregnant. It was a miracle. Blew the doctor's mind. And then the day came, we took that little baby girl who was 47 years old today, took her home in that aqua dress. It worked. It worked. But you got to sow it. So take an assessment. Let me ask you some questions. What are you investing your life in when it comes to the things of, of the Bible? What, is your, what are you spending your time with? Are you getting into the Word at times? Are you chasing God as your number one pursuit? What are the choices you're, make, you're making? It's very important because your life today is a sum total of what you planted yesterday. All right? So that's the seed. That's the sort. Now let's talk about the soil. The third protagonist is the soil. The condition of the soil determines the yield of the harvest. Let me say that again. The condition of the soil determines the yield of the harvest. The soil is the human heart. It's the inside of you. It's the core of your being. When you met Jesus, you got a brand new heart. But now you have to put things in that heart, right? The soil is the human heart heart the word of God has the answer for everything we will ever face but the condition of your heart will determine the seeds effectiveness now Jesus talked about there are four kinds of dirt 
that you plant this, this, these seeds into. And the, the effectiveness, once again, of the seed is determined by the soil. So let me go over these with you. First of all, there's the hard ground or the rocky ground or the road ground. He said a sower comes and he sows some seed and it falls on the, on the road. It's like it wasn't concrete, but it was dirt because they didn't have concrete back in those days or asphalt, whatever we have now. But they did have dirt that had been trampled down and it's so hard it can't penetrate. And then Jesus said, and the birds of the air, when that happens, and it's hard dirt, the birds of the air and come, come and take the seed before it's ever sown. And the birds, here's a little Bible interpretation thing that will help you. Birds, most of the time, are talking about devils or demons. So somebody, this is somebody that hears the word, but they're so engulfed with the, their thoughts that are coming from Satan that they really can't hear. The word is powerful, but they don't get it because they're crusted over. A couple of weeks ago, I walked into a Starbucks and I ordered my coffee, and I had on, uh, I had on my, I've got some blue Nike running shoes. They're real bright. I like running shoes. I like Nike shoes. And tennis shoes are comfortable. Thank God we're more casual than we used to be. You know, you, you know, 15 years ago I'd be wearing a suit. Thank God I don't. I only have one suit in my life anymore because everything's different. But anyway, I'm standing there and I've got on my Nike shoes. And there's a guy sitting there, young guy, and he said, "Man, those are crispy shoes." And I said, "Crispy? I I never heard that." <laughs> so I said, "Oh, okay, that mean good." He said, "Oh yeah, they're crispy." I said, "Well, good. Praise God, crispy." And then he started talking to me. He said, but, and he asked me, what do you do? And I said, well, yeah, I'm a preacher. He got, and then he started, put, he put, started putting a wall up. And so I started, and so I'm thinking, I'm going to try to get to this guy. So I'm engaging him, trying to get around. And he's got all these weird ideas, like metaphysical things are coming out of him. And he's one of these guys that is deconstructing. And you know what, you heard of that term now. People are questioning everything. And, and I, could, I was looking for an entry, and I couldn't find one. And finally, I just, you know, you can't talk forever. So I said, well, you know what? I got to go, but I'm going to pray for you. What's your name? He said, I'm not going to tell you my name. I don't want you to pray for me. And so I left, and I did pray for him. I don't know his name. But the guy needs help. But until he begins to, some things begin to break off him, he's not going to get any. God loves him. But he's not ready to receive anything because the birds are coming and stealing the seed, right? Number two is rocky soil. Now, these are people, Jesus talked about, these are the people that hear the word, they get excited, but the roots can't go down very deep because they got rocks that are blocking the roots. And I think rocks would probably be the memories that we have in our heart, things we've been through, hurts, hard places. Maybe they come from the way you were raised. Maybe there's anger issues that you have because of whatever a divorce you went through, abandonment by somebody, maybe you had a miscarriage, and those things will block. If you, don't, if you don't get rid of that, take care of it, they can block what the, what the word can do, the, the depth of the root. Hurts that we go through. Let me tell you something this morning. God cares about your hurts, and we all get hurt. We all have a past to deal with, uh, and Jesus knows everything we've gone through, and I think one of the biggest things, I think we all go through this one, is this thing called, write this down if you're taking notes, we all get rejected somewhere. Somebody in your life, probably more than once, made you feel like you weren't good enough. Maybe it was your parents. That can hurt more than anything. Or situation you got in. And, 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 and here's the thing, that's not just happening in the world, that happens in the church too. 
That happens. You know, I've been in the ministry for 40 years now. And there have been things that have happened that were not right. And people did me wrong, baby. <laughs> yes, and it hurts. Some people I've trusted in. I've learned this about life. You really don't have, um, I don't mean to sound negative, but it's true. You really don't have that many close friends. It's funny because Trudy and I, in our church in Tulsa, or in Tulsa, we live in Oklahoma City. We lived in Tulsa a long time. But our church is in Oklahoma City. And I'm like, we're like the oldest people in the church. You know, everybody's young. My son and his wife, Pastor. And, and so uh, some of the people on his staff, we're not like mom and dad. We're like grandpa and grandma. And uh, so, you know, and, and so our friends, we don't really have friends in the church. I mean, we love people. It was good some good people there, but really our friends are people like Rick, Pastor Richard Nancy, who we, we got history with. That's what makes friends, and you, kind of, you go through some stuff, and they're there. I remember when I made a big transition back in the 2000s, and, uh, and I left church on the move where I'd been for a long time, and it was tough. There's a lot of misunderstanding with me and on both sides, and uh, I, can I just be real with you? And, you know, we got bruised. And now we're, 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 we're starting this ministry, but we're not really sure how to do it, how we're going to make this work. And we had some ideas. And, 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 but we'd, we met Pastor Richard and Nancy, and, and they would invite us to come preach and be so nice to us and encourage us, open up, their church, open up the network of churches to us and really helped us, helped us gain confidence. I remember having con things we would say. He would say something to me that would just hit me and help me, and I'll never forget that. Thank you. Thank you. There's friends, but you know how, I don't think you have a lot of those, but I don't think you necessarily need a lot of friends because everybody can't be your friend. But you got to, see, you got to learn to stand on your own and believe this thing on your own and understand this, whatever you've gone through, I know it hurts, but Jesus wants to help you with it. Look in the book of uh, Isaiah chapter 53, uh, verse 3. This is talking about Jesus when it comes to rejection. It says, he was despised and rejected. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. That's what happened to Jesus. You say, well, that was Jesus, the Son of God. He was a man. He did all that, not to make you feel sorry, sorry for him. He did all that so he could relate to what you're going through. He cares about every inch of it. He has compassion on you. And let me tell you something. Maybe you did get rejected by whoever, but you didn't get rejected by him. His arms are open to you this morning, wide open to receive you, to help you. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. He has compassion for everything. That word compassion means this. It, the word passion is the root of the word, but come means, comes from communicating passion. So not only does he feel sorry for you and pat you on the head, he wants to help you with it. He wants to communicate that passion to you. You know, the Bible said Jesus, when he was here, he saw sheep. He saw people, uh, and he saw them as sheep scattered, and they didn't have a shepherd. He is the great shepherd. He's the one to help us today. Amen? Whatever you're going through. He wants, us, he wants you to help us with it. And then here's the thing about it too. He'll heal you, but then you still will remember the stuff you went through. And some of this stuff will maybe kind of scar you. 
And you, but you look at it, you know, a scar is there, but a scar got healed, but it's there. Remember the story of Jacob in the Bible? And how Jacob, uh, he, he was a deceiver. He kind of did some crooked things. But there was a time that he wrestled with God. Remember that story, how he wrestled with God, which is amazing. I believe he wrestled with Jesus that night. And what was he doing? I believe it's a picture of God changing Jacob. Because after he wrestled, God changed his name to Israel. And so he's now not, Israel means the prince of God. Jacob means deceiver. So God changed his name. That's what happens to us when we get saved. He changes everything about you. Changed your name. And the Bible said there's a new name written in heaven of, of your, your name. Amen. But, but here's the thing about Jacob. He left that, that wrestling and he had a limp. And I think that limp was to remind him of, of what his past had been like. And I'm leaving that behind. I'm going on to the future. Yeah, that's there. But you know what? That doesn't mark me. I'm a new man. I'm a new man now. I don't have to let that rule me anymore. Amen. That's good preaching. I like that. So, so God wants to help us with the rocks. Uh, and then there's, there's thorns and weedy ground. That's stuff that spring up and they choke the seed. In other words, you, you know, you throw some seed down, but there's weeds growing up. We have a lot of root weeds in Oklahoma. I think, you know, everything grows so pretty out here in Southern California. It's just like you don't even have weeds. What's the deal with that? But we got weeds. I mean, you plant flower seed, you got to fight for it in Oklahoma. Don't you, baby? We do it all the time. Keep our plants looking good. And, uh, and, and weeds just, just but, and here's what I, what I learned about farming. You got to pull those weeds up because they'll suck all the moisture out of the real plant and they'll dominate it and choke it out. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. What is that talking about? I think that's talking about things that grab our attention now that take us away from the truth of God. Things like the iPhone. You know, the iPhone came around in 2008, and the world will never be the same again. People on their phone, people on their phone, people on their phone. People are just on their phone everywhere, everywhere. Now, it can be a blessing. I got one. I got an iPad I'm preaching from. But dang, you got to control those things, man, because they will suck the, eat your time up, you, be, you will look at it for a while, and you think, well, I'll just 10 minutes here. No, you've been on there three hours checking out everybody. You know what, you know what Taylor Swift is doing. You know all this stuff. Yeah, I, had a, I had a nerve there, didn't I? Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Here's what you, you we got it. Sometimes you got to pull that stuff out. The Internet, uh, entertainment, the deceitfulness of riches that come against us. We got to put the seed of the word of God. You got to jerk that stuff. Sometimes you just got to say no. Let me just write this down. Stop it. Just stop it. But Pastor Ken, you know, my, my phone, I just, uh, stop it. You can do this. Everybody say stop it. Thank you. You can stop it. Amen. And then there's good soil. Let's read about this one. Everybody still with me? Good soil. Mark 4, chapter 8. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, produced a crop, that was, listen, 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. If you'll deal with those kinds of soil and you can change your soil and you work on your soil, then the Word will become, the Word will just do what it's supposed to do. Because It's like you spend some time with God, and you spend some time with God, you'll begin to hear from God. You know, we're still on central time. We got up this morning real early, 
and we're just spending time with God. We're listening to a preacher. I'm just talking to God. And you know what? It gets me, it, I, it gets me with God. And, that, and I, I build an atmosphere that he can help me. And my soil, my soil's getting plowed up. And it's and, and so important that we do that. Your heart can change if you're willing to work on it. Look in Hosea chapter 10, or Old Testament. Hosea 10 to 12. It says, plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground. Plow it. The fallow ground is what that means. Of your heart. For now is the time to seek the Lord that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. But you got to plow the hard ground. The hardness in your life. The hardness tries to, to get in your heart. Uh, you know, I was raised on a farm. Remember, seed, time, and harvest. We plant the seed, but all summer long, we're taking care of the seed. And my dad sent me out early in the morning. I'd have to go out and I'd hoe weeds, and I would plow, and we'd cultivate and get rid of the weeds. This is back in farming. is a little different now. Uh, we only had a four-row plow back then. Now they got 32-row uh, plows. I mean, it's, it's different now. But uh, I had to drive a tractor that didn't have an air conditioner on it. It was horrible. <laughs> Hand clutch. I'm old school, man. I mean, they, got, they got tractors now, GPSs, air conditioners. You don't even have to work anymore. But you still got to get out there and do it on the tractor. So you got to plow. You got to plow this stuff up. You got to deal with it. You got to work on it. Best you can, I've been dealing with this for many, many years. That's okay. Just keep on dealing with it. You know, I'm like that. I, there's things I still have to deal with. But I want my heart to change because I want to be what God wants me to be, right? And then number four is my last point. I'm going to close with this. Got to remember this. The seed has to die. Hmm. Interesting. You put the seed in the ground. The seed's got life in it. When you put it in the ground, it has to die. Isn't that what Jesus did? He was a seed of God that had to die, and they put it in the ground, and it looks like it's all over. Because when something dies, it looks like it's all over. And it's buried but the, what a seed does, it's got that life, and it'll come back. It'll come back in the heart, but it has to die. What do I mean by that? There's things that you may think, maybe something even God put in you, that an idea, a, a, a vision you have for your life, but here's what I've learned about life. It doesn't always work exactly like I thought it was going to. And I'll give you an example to close with, and I hope this is okay. Uh, it's the only one I got, so... Hope it's good. But when I was a kid, I had a, I had a dream when I was a little kid. I was raised in the days when the Beatles came out, 1964. I was 14 years old. And, man, and I always liked music, and I'd listen to, the, to rock and roll, you know, and, and, and I wanted to be a songwriter. And I'd write little songs when I was a little kid, write little verses down, and just love music. And then the Beatles came out, and everything changed. And I, so then I thought, I want to be like that. And I want to be, and I had something. I remember when I came, I came to Los Angeles for the first time in 1969 on a senior trip. We drove downtown, and I saw the Capitol Record Building. You know that building? It looks like a stack of records. Some of you looking at me funny. Anybody know what records are? Remember? You know, we had records, and then we had tape, and then, then we had cassette. Yeah, we had eight-track. Pastor Richard, you have an eight-track player in the car? A-track was wild because you'd be, A-track was weird. You had your own control of your music, but it would get, you'd be in the middle of a song and the track would stop and have to switch to the next track. 
So it's a weird way to listen to songs. But anyway, that's all we had. But then, it, you know, then D CDs and, and then and now digital stuff. And so I've been through all these phases. But I, anyway, I saw that building. It looks like a record stacked on it. And I got to tell you, I, and I wasn't serving God. But God can talk to people who don't know him because God puts a dream in people. And I saw that and I thought, one of these days I'm going to make recordings. And I knew it. And I knew it. I just knew it. Now, in my young 18-year-old mind, I'm thinking, I'm going to be a famous rock and roll musician. <laughs> so when I, I, in fact, I came back and I told Trudy. She was only uh, seven, no, she was only 15. She's my girlfriend. And so I said, you may think this is weird, but I believe God. Now I say God. I said, I believe this is what I'm supposed to do. She looked at me. She said, I believe you're right. And we're not serving God. God puts dreams in people even before they're serving him. So I'm thinking, wow, okay. So I got in a rock band, you know. We were okay. We, got a, we bought a bus, traveled around. We got married. I'm traveling around in this big old bus. This is in hippie days, right? Real long hair. Real, yeah, wild stuff. Big old purple bus. Our band's name was Dove, D-O-V-E. And I'm doing that. But then we met Jesus. And I'm thinking at first, I'm thinking, well, I'm going to stay in this rock band because we can go into these bars where we, we were going to play. And, and this is where people really need God. And so we'll go in there and we'll change these people. And here's what I learned. When people go to bars, they're not looking for God. <laughs> they don't want to hear you preach about God. They want to drink, okay? So I got that revelation. So I said, I went to the band and I ticked them all off. There were three guys and I said, guys, I got to get out because this isn't what God wants me to do. And they got mad at me. But anyway, I got out. We're friends now. And I got out and, and I... And, and we begin to serve, chase God, you know? And so I'm thinking, okay, God want, must want, want me to do Christian music. So I dreamed about having a Christian record deal back in the 80s. But the, the only thing that, that sprung up for me to do was to do kids' music. And I thought, in my mind, I thought, well, that's kind of way down the ladder. I mean, that's kids' music. That ain't cool. And, but one day I'll be famous with this other music. But until then, I'll do this. And so I did it. And I did, and I produced this record, uh, this tape back in those days. And uh, I, I had to borrow money to make the tape. I went into a studio, did the tape, and then we had a meeting. I was working with Willie George, and we did a meeting, in fact, out here. And I made 500 cassette tapes, and I didn't even know if anybody would buy them. But in this meeting, I sold them all. And I made enough money to pay for the recording and do another project. And then I began to do more kids' music. I did it for a TV show. And, and, and did it for Gospel Bill and all the things we did. And, and, and I kept thinking, well, maybe one of these days I'll go to Nashville and sign a record deal. But it never worked out. I tried a couple of times, but it didn't work out. And you know what? I've come to now at 72. That's what God was trying to show me. I was going to do kids' music. Do you know I still sell tons of this music? That's the thing about kids' music. You know, a lot of music after a couple of months, it's not cool anymore. Kids' music's not like that. It's cool forever. I get, listen, I get checks every month to, because I wrote these songs, the royalty stuff coming in, and, that, and the, that's the brilliance of God. What I thought I wanted to do, no, I put it in the ground and had to die to it. And I began to do what was at my hand to do. I'm talking to somebody this morning. There's steps for you to get where God wants you to go. And it may not be exactly like you think. Maybe you need to die to what that deal is that you think and open up your heart. God, what do you want me to do? 
Because you know what? I'm so proud I got to be a blessing in the lives of little kids. Because now all these little kids, here's, a, here's the thing about that. All little kids grow up and they turn into real people. And now I have these people come up to me. I watched you when I was, when you, when I was a kid and thank you for your ministry. Some of them are pastors, doctors, lawyers. You blessed me when I was a kid. Thank you. Wow. I never saw that coming. So what am I saying? Seed of the Word of God is, in, is your answer this morning. You are the sower. You've got to sow it, and then you've got to watch over it and bring it to pass. You've got to sow it. You've got to put it in your heart, and you've got to deal with your heart. You've got to get your heart ready because there's a harvest God wants you to have. I believe we're living in the day. If you're alive on the earth right now, Jesus is coming back. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. He's got to be coming back. It's too weird that he's not coming back. The world is crazy. It's getting worse every month. Things are transpiring. But you're alive for right now. Not to throw up your hands and be frustrated. No, you're here to fulfill something for God. We are the body of Christ. Every member of the body of Christ has a part. Back row, middle, every, you have a part to play. Sometimes I think we get a little stuck, but God has something for you. He loves you. He puts you here for right now. So here's my altar call this morning. Could somebody come up and play for me? Here's my altar call. If you kind of say, Pastor Kent, I'm kind of stuck right now. I'm not sure I know what to do. I want you to come up here right now. We're going to pray for you to get unstuck. We're going to pray for you, and then you're going to go out of these doors. You're going to begin to act on what I said. But first of all, we're going to release something in prayer. So stuck. What do you mean? You just, you're frustrated. You know there's something you need to do. Come up here. We're going to pray for you. Come on, come on, come on, right now. We're going to pray for you. Yeah, right. Come on. Yeah, first brave ones. Come on, come up here. Praise God. We're going to pray for unstuck. Unstuck this morning. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. We give you praise this morning. We give you praise this morning. Amen. Amen, amen. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We did this yesterday because I believe it's biblical. There's a principle called the laying on of hands, which we do in the church. Sometimes I think we kind of do it we think like it's magic or something. But the laying on of hands is so things can be transferred from a person to another person. But God's doing the transfer. It's really God doing it. And yet, God uses people to transmit. That's just the way it is. Like this morning I preached, got some to you, and that was transmitted. But God's the one talking to you this morning. I pray God's the one talking to you, not me. No, I man, I'm just a messenger boy. But laying on of hands can... can do things can cause things to happen so we're going to lay hands on you and after we do so you can go back to your seat pastor richard and nancy would you come do this trudy and i we're going to pray for you so as we do so you guys go ahead and play and let's worship the lord 